Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stolen Droids Podcast. I'm Zoner. I'm Zook. And, um, here's a broken record for you. RSS was down for a while. Website was broken for a while. I was camping. And Zoner's been working. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So That was weird, though, what was up with our website. I don't know. It's like... I, I think it had to do with our Patreon button. It, Isn't that what we ultimately determined? It actually was. Um, not that we don't love you Patreon subscribers. Uh, Zane, Bruce, Ruff. Um, we, we love you all. Uh, and, we, and we don't want you to stop patronizing us. Being patrons. Yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, but for some reason, the Patreon button that was on the side of our page injected some malicious script that tried to resize the, pa- the page on the fly um, and would say, oh, well, I see you're in a 4K browser. I'm going to reformat this for a mobile web, and then I'm going to reformat it again. So if you're like, like me and you're looking at a 4K monitor, the entire website was basically three inches wide. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was awful. It was awful. And... I think that it happened about the time that Patreon redesigned their website. Yeah. And they changed all their stuff, and I, I think that that's what caused our, our problem. So it appears to be fixed now, though. Yeah. Fingers we, we, crossed. We fixed it. We got Schmitty on it, and he was able to figure out uh, how to splice that code right out of there. And I don't know. You don't splice things out. You splice things together. You slice them out. I'm rambling. It's been late. Hey, shout out to our friends over at TrekRadio.net, KryptonRadio.com, uh, Geek Factor Radio, Radio KSCR, and Stitcher.com. And if you want to support us via Patreon... Uh, With despite, the new fixed button. Yeah, despite their bringing our site to its knees, uh, you can do so. Go over to Patreon.com slash droids. And now, if you... Sub- if if you contribute five dollars a month, that's it. You get early access to our shows. Indeed, five bucks. Now, Zoner, yes, have you nominated our show yet over at the podcast awards? Um, I don't know. To be honest, I probably should do that. That was not the answer I was uh, I was going for. But if you wanted to do that, how would you do? How would you go about doing that? Head over to podcastawards.com. And click on the big blue nominations are open button. There is a sign up to nominate because they do want your email verif- or to verify via email. And then go ahead and say Stolen Droids is your favorite tech podcast. Now, I know you're probably worried. Oh, wait a minute. They want me to sign up. I have to actually give them an email address. It's to keep people from spamming the vote. It's happened in the past. None of our fans have ever done it none of our fans have ever been so nefarious but uh, other shows fans can be a little bit intense sometimes they but, can but you know i've been doing this i've been registering myself every year year after year since we started this show since we first got involved with the podcast awards i've never been spammed they never sell your name they never sell your email address it's all good it's all good so yeah if you head over to podcastawards.com go ahead register um, they'll send you a verification email just to make sure you're a real person and not a bot. Uh, sign up for what you want to see. Um, it's really slick how they redesigned the nomination process this year. So even if you hit nominate or save your nomination, 
you can still go back later and add additional nominations in other categories. So it doesn't completely lock out your ballot once you've hit save. You just can't go back and change your nomination for that category. True. So it's it's a really slick bit of coding they put into it this year. So, and, you know, it's interesting because looking at the the tech podcasts, um, there's it's not a huge there's not a huge field. It's not just open ended, which I think is kind of cool. And by the way, we are second from the bottom. We are the Stolen Droids podcast, not Stolen Droids podcast. Indeed. So right above right our friends above, over at oh, Waves of Waves Tech. Of tech. Yeah. yeah, Stephen Lee and his team. And it's unfortunate that we're always in the same category because we both deal with technology because he's pretty cool. He is a cool guy. In fact, he helped us out a lot when we when we first started, mm-hmm. when we met him at the first podcast awards. Indeed. Uh, he, he gave us a lot of really good information. And that is partly why our show sounds so good. When it sounds good. You know, when, when we're not good. talking. Uh, yeah, when there's that dead air or when, you know, there's goats screaming or whatever. Uh, or a toilet flush when you break things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, into uh, this week's episode, it was a weird week. And I know we say that a lot, but it nothing really happened, but there were still little things happening. So prepare yourself for an hour of little bits of news. Well, and it was weird, too, because, like, my RSS... I, I haven't been checking it like every day because I've been so busy from work, but my feed still has over a thousand, a thousand unread articles and they're all more than four days old. I mean, there's just, there has been a lot of articles and a lot of news that's been put out there. Just nothing of real substance or note, which is, it's odd for that to happen. It's kind of like we're in the, the summer lull, I think, which is weird because I wouldn't think that tech would have a summer lull. But it is. It's we're in the post E three blues. Um, yeah, we're nothing's really being announced right now. Yeah, there's some speculation about stuff, but nothing real. I mean, nothing even real concrete or cool that they're speculating on. Yeah, here's some speculation. Maybe that our president isn't the best person to talk about cybersecurity. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, t- I don't like politics. I know. I, I, I used to, but not anymore. Let's, let's focus. <laughs> Do you see what you've done, Trump? You've ruined this for him. <laughs> you've yeah. ruined politics for his honor. He has. He has. Well, not just him, the Republicans in general. Yeah. Um, so let's try and keep this... Um, as bipartisan or as nonpartisan as possible. Nonpartisan and, is good. And yeah, let, let's let's talk about the technology behind here. Yes. So this week, President Trump met with President Putin to talk about cybersecurity and to quote unquote confront him on possible Russia hacking. Uh, from my understanding, the confront confrontation didn't actually happen, and instead. President Trump pledged to join Russia to create an impenetrable cyber unit, a joint one with Russia, that he then turned around and immediately tweeted, probably couldn't happen. Um, uh, why, why couldn't that happen? I mean, they're already in all of our systems anyways. Right. You're already moved in. You know, <laughs> might as well stay here. Well, 
So first off, the idea of creating a cybersecurity unit with potentially your largest cybersecurity threat is kind of like inviting the dingo to babysit for you when you go out. I'm, you know, to, to borrow a John Oliver phrase. Hey, dingoes eat babies. Uh, indeed. Um, or uh, as one Republican tweeted, it's like asking ISIS, uh, partnering with Putin on a cybersecurity unit is akin to partnering with uh, President uh, Al Bashir al-Assad on a chemical weapons unit. Because he gassed his own people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was that was a Syrian thing for those of you who are not. Yeah. Um, one senator uh, went on the air and said, it's not the dumbest idea I've ever heard, but it's pretty close. <laughs> That's nice. Um, so what would that have meant? Well, if they tried to go through with it, it would mean one interesting side effect. See, there's one Russian company that's usually actually above reproach in this called Kaspersky Labs. Yes. We've brought them up quite a few times. Um, They're usually the first ones to identify threats. Uh, They're one of the most... um, They're credible. That's a good word to put it. Thank you. That's a very good way to put it. They're very credible. Uh, Now, do I believe personally that many of their employees work part-time on the other side of the fence? Yep. But that's just speculation. That's just my own personal gut feeling on it. But the U.S. doesn't like Kaspersky Labs. The The U.S. government particularly doesn't like Kaspersky Labs. True. For, for one, Kaspersky Labs doesn't have a problem pointing out when cybersecurity breaches are happening by the U.S. government. They'll, they'll call it for as they see it. Yeah. Oh, this over here? This was a U.S. intelligence agency state-sponsored attack. Yeah. Uh, U.S. intelligence agencies don't like that when you when you tell everyone that they were behind it. They really don't. It, it's a good way to piss a lot of people off. Indeed. Uh, on top of that, uh, Kaspersky Labs have a lot of software installed throughout the federal government, which is, you'd expect, on one hand, because they are a world leader in cybersecurity, in firewall protection, in antivirus protection. But on the other hand, a lot of people don't want because it's a foreign company with software throughout sensitive federal installations. And if, say, for instance, Russia was using Kaspersky Labs to probe and hack, then that's basically laying the groundwork for them. So why do I bring this up? Well, because if we actually created a cyber unit with them, that would basically mean we couldn't get rid of Kaspersky Labs. I haven't thought of that. I just think of the sheer absurdity of the fact that Russia is constantly hacking into us. And I mean, it's almost as if we're in a lukewarm war with them. It's not a cold war, but we're not full-blown war with them. So we're kind of lukewarm. I just, that right there is what really blows my mind that Trump would want to partner with these people. Right. There's just not a lot of good there. I see what you're saying about a whole lukewarm war. I see it more as a cyber terror, not cyber terror, but a cyber war in which it's easy because it costs a lot less. There's no dead bodies. They can fling attacks at each other left and right. And as far as both sides are concerned, there's no real loser. You know, there's no military buildup. There's... 
hey, look, I breached your firewall and steal a quarter million records from your server. You retaliate by knocking the radar station offline for an hour. It, it's petty. It's yeah. It, it's basically a cyber warfare dick measuring contest between the two countries. So it makes absolutely no sense that we would enter into an agreement with them. Also, it makes no sense because we've tried agreements with Russia before when the FBI and the FSB uh, tried um, coordinating information on people that they thought were top-level hackers. Um, the FBI would say, hey, we're getting a lot of traffic out of this area of the Ukraine. Uh, we think it's this particular hacker. We're passing this information on to you so you can act on the intelligence. The FSB would instead snoop and snatch the guy and recruit him to work for them to then attack us. Yeah. So really all we were doing was giving them the heads up on who to recruit. So yeah. I, I don't, I, and here's something I never thought I'd say. I don't disagree with president Trump that it probably can't happen. I'm just confused then as to why he agreed to it in the first place and then tweeted his take back on Twitter. I, well, you know, he's all over the Twitters because he's like hip. He's he's like a hip president. That, do you want, does he understand that Russia can see Twitter too? Like, does he think, think he does, does he think he's just talking to us that Putin's not going to immediately open up his Twitter feed and go, wait. <laughs> you know, part of me thinks he has used Twitter to kind of blow smoke for whatever else he's doing because it's very obvious whenever he tweets anything that's what dominates the media the news cycle is obsessed with whatever president trump tweeted out and yeah i kind of get that but obama never got that they didn't lose their mind when obama tweeted out something and granted obama was a little more um boring a little more boring, yes. That's that's a good word. I, I, look, I liked Obama, and I know not everyone did, and that's absolutely fine. But his tweets were kind of boring. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't <laughs> he wasn't out there like some some freaking chimpanzee flinging crap trying to see like a reality star. Yeah, exactly. I yeah, I know people. It sounds like I'm trying to pick a fight, but in truth, let's can we just call it for what it is. It, it's exactly what he is. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I, we shouldn't be in talks to strengthen our cybersecurity with the people we are trying to protect ourselves from in cybersecurity. True. I mean, that's like us. That's like us going to ISIS and asking them how to best stop terrorist attacks. I that that's really what it. Boils down to it's it's just foolish. There's there's no reason that this should even be considered. But what do we know? We're just a couple idiots with microphones. Right, right. Speaking of microphones, you're going to have to take over most of these headlines. I haven't even read most of them, but uh, from my understanding, uh, microphones in a house may have just uh, saved some people. Yeah, well, you know how we talked about this. If month ago maybe amazon was being subpoenaed for their recordings of an alexa that may have been witness to a murder i guess that's how we would say yeah, yeah. it was there for a murder 
and they the authorities wanted to know what was going on uh, in the house at the time. So they noticed that there's a, an Amazon Echo, and they say, hey, give us the records we want to hear. Amazon balked a bit, but they eventually did hand over the data, and unfortunately, we don't know, you know, what became of that. There hasn't been any real updates. We don't know if there was anything useful or not. But this is something that actually just popped up uh, within the last few days. Um, According to an ABC News report, some officers were called to a home outside of Albuquerque this week when Google Home called 911 and the operator heard a confrontation taking place in the background. Now, apparently some dude was house-sitting at the residence with his girlfriend and their daughter and something happened that triggered him. Uh, no pun intended, and he then pulled a gun, and this could have been really bad. It I could mean, have been. It could it, have been horrible. It, it was in Albuquerque, so we know nothing good happens there. It, this would have turned bad. And yeah, I mean this this very very likely would have ended with somebody dying and a little a little girl ending up with no parents, and the Google Home heard. Well, he uh, asked her. He confronted her and said, did you call the sheriffs? Yeah. And Google Home heard call the sheriffs and called the sheriff. And then a SWAT team arrived at the house. And after a few hours, they took the guy into custody. Um, the girlfriend was injured, but nothing seriously. And the daughter, the couple's daughter was safe. Uh, but this is interesting because it kind of goes to show uh, Big Brother is always listening. No. You know, and and how many times are we going to have nine one one called by mistake because Google Home or Amazon Echo hears call the police or dial nine one one? You're teaching you know what to do in an emergency situation. What's the first thing you do? Remain calm. What's the second thing you do? Dial nine one one. Dialing nine one one. Cops show up two minutes later. Yeah, uh, this is a Gizmodo article, and the very last paragraph kind of points it out in a very interesting way, and I love this. In a different, in, sorry, quote, in a different incident in January, a local TV news broadcast involving a dollhouse reportedly triggered multiple Amazon Echo devices in the area to start ordering dollhouses. It's easy to imagine police getting tired of being called to citizens' homes every time they watch the latest episode of Law and Order, end quote. Yeah, there's going to need to be some sort of safeguards built in. I mean, when we talked time, about... I, I kind of like the idea of a panic button on it. I do, too. I do, too. But you stop and think. I mean, Burger King tried to hijack these. Yeah. I mean, the, this could cause problems. If, if somebody is sending false alarms on accident to 911... That's taking resources away from real emergencies. And it could be that they don't mean to, but, you know, it, it, what happens, happens. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting. And it, it poses, it opens up a lot of questions. You know, what, 
what do we do in this situation? How do we handle this new technology? Well, and the real problem is, and many people don't want to talk about this, but the real problem is, is that 911 services aren't really equipped to deal with the technology we already have. Many 911 offices throughout the country still can't handle E911 calls from cell phones. Yeah. Um, many of them are understaffed. Many of them are uh, not equipped to deal with life-threatening emergencies should they arise or more than a certain amount of call volume or are so out of the area that they don't even know the area you're calling about. It's, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of articles about it, but I don't know. I, I feel that we need a large reevaluation of the country's entire 911 service. And this new technology has to be in the conversation because, like you said, it's here. And in some ways, like, it'd be so handy if something was happening and I could use my smartwatch to immediately dial 911, provide them my exact geo-coordinates, um, and it can take my blood pressure, it can take my oxygen readings, it can take my pulse rate. It could send that, theoretically, to a 911 office that I'm talking to. Yeah. You know, it's... I mean, it's like those old life alert commercials you used to see, you know, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. Grandma has that little pendant that she just presses the button on and it calls for help. Well, mm -hmm. guess what? We all carry those now. We do. We do. We give them and, to each other as gifts. <laughs> and we need to, we need to start utilizing that. But at the same time, then we're also going to have the, you know, yahoos who call 911 using their smartphone because the latest game wasn't on TV because their cable's out. <laughs> yeah. Or Chick-fil-A's out of chicken nuggets or, or game of Thrones wasn't on, on its uh, scheduled programming time. Yeah. And that happens too. It does. It does. Oh man. <laughs> but I mean, not to belabor the point, but what was it like three months ago? We were talking about nine one one calls in a certain area getting dropped by T Mobile. Yeah, down in Texas, I believe. Yeah, where a lady was on hold for a half hour to get through, even though there was no queue waiting, just because of a system problem. Yeah, it's sorry not to make this a, a hot button issue for me, but. Like you said, there's all this new technology coming out, and we don't even have the way to deal with the current technology for what should be a rather high-priority service. One would think. Well, and, and here's the real problem. 911 is kind of like your IT department. It's expensive, and it doesn't do anything. Right up until it really needs to do something. And that is a very appropriate analogy, I think. Because, yeah, I mean... You never hear about 911 unless something happens. And when something happens, you need 911. You don't think about it, kind of like your IT department. You don't think about it until you're not getting your email or you can't print or whatever. Same same thing. That's a great analogy, Zook. Of course, that does make it sound a little self-aggrandizing considering I am the IT department. <laughs> But, you know, I've said that for years with, and I've been in IT, I'm not now, but I mean, we've both done our time in the trenches. We know how unappreciated it is. And I think that people don't really appreciate 911 until they need 911. And then they're baking the dispatchers cookies mm -hmm. after the fact. And that's what, that makes the news. That makes the news. Or when, or when 
you got people dying because they can't get through because T-Mobile's dropping their calls. There's no like happy medium there. So we've got some other Google stuff. In fact, there's quite a bit of Google news this week, which kind of surprises me. Uh, but did you hear about the issue that, and this is going on with, with Google Home again, but specifically with Google Assistant, uh, have you... Have you heard about this, Zook? How I had heard it, little rumblings of it. I hadn't actually read a full article on it, but it's hilarious. Yeah, apparently Google Assistant thinks that Arizona is on the East Coast, and Google can't get it fixed. Like, like the entire state or just part of it? I think it's the entire state. Uh, I guess, I mean, Google Assistant's pretty good, pretty good, but for at least the past week, uh, Google Homes in Arizona have incorrectly been reporting the local time. Uh, if you ask your your Google Home for the current time, it will tell you that the the time for the East Coast. Uh, and if you ask other location based questions like nearby restaurants or the weather, yeah, it, it's it doesn't know where Arizona is. It's like Arizona has just been lost. sucked into the netherworld. Yeah, it's just completely lost, which is hilarious. So if you have family in Arizona and you haven't heard from them for a while, maybe reach out, see if they've been sucked into some dark void off of, you know, Myrtle Beach or something. <laughs> yeah, they're hanging out there by by Florida. Um, now, now, what's really funny is the fact that I don't really blame Google Home or Google Assistant for getting the time zone wrong. Arizona's a screwy state. You could change your watch seven times driving from one side of the state to the other. What? Yeah. Okay, so Arizona doesn't believe in daylight savings. Correct. They have no reason to. But one of the Indian reservations inside Arizona does. But then another Indian reservation inside that one doesn't. But then there's another pocket of that that first Indian reservation inside that second one that, once again, does. So if you drive from inside Arizona into Indian Reservation number one, into Indian Reservation number two, crossing back into that pocket of Indian Reservation number one, back into number two, back into one, back into Arizona, you will have gone back and forth in time repeatedly on a single drive. Oh my gosh. Arizonans, you'd be crazy. That's insane. You know, it's funny, and I know this isn't how it is, but whenever I hear Indian Reservations, you know, most likely... It's a bunch of casinos and, you know, stuff like that. I always picture pulling into the reservation, looking up on the hills and seeing a couple of Indians on their horses with their big feather headdresses watching you come in. Well, like afraid you're going to wake the mummy. It's (laughs) like, I mean, it's like I've seen too many Westerns in my life and I know that's not how it is, but that's always what comes to mind. And I don't think I've ever been on an Indian reservation, in all honesty. I, I have. Many I, times. Many, I, many I'm, times. I'm planning a trip to South Dakota next month uh, with the family. We're going to do a road trip. And I'm pretty sure we'll cross through a few reservations uh, while we're doing it. So I'll, I'll have to check those hills. Be sure to uh, visit the reservation where we dynamited some white people's faces into the side of some sacred mountains. That's the one we were going to do. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah, I also heard that there's another one up the canyon about half hour, 45 minutes of an Indian that puts the white people to shame. Uh, yeah, but he's not done yet. No, that's that's my understanding as well. And half the Indians don't want him there. 
<laughs> but he's one of them. Well, are we just pissing off like so many people right now? With every time we say the word Indian and not Native American, pretty sure. And I do believe I just insulted all of New Mexico earlier. You did. You did. New Mexico and- sucks. Okay. <laughs> One, we don't have any listeners there, so I don't have to worry about it. So you know how when you drive through a state and you see their different signs, it kind of gives you a feel for how how that state is, right? Uh, in Utah, it used to be only you can keep Utah clean. Now it's buckle up or don't drive drowsy. Uh, in Texas, when I drove through there, it was remember to drive friendly. Uh, except for when I passed by one sign that was misspelled and said fire friendly, which was funny. Um, you know, <laughs> they weren't mass produced, I guess. Um, you know, different states have their different signs and you kind of get it's like a barometer for what that state's like. Every time I've driven through New Mexico, it's always been, please don't drive drunk. Please don't drive drunk. If you see someone driving drunk, please consider reporting it. If your wow. friend is driving drunk, Please take the keys away from, like, there was one section of road I went by, and every 300 yards was a picture of someone who was killed in a DUI. Oh, wow. So, yo, New Mexico, we need to talk, because evidently there's problems happening down there. Well, I mean, so it sounds like there's a, a reason that they set Breaking Bad in Albuquerque. Definitely. And it's probably a reason why a Google Assistant was automatically set to call the sheriffs on speed dial on that other headline. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. While we're talking about Google, uh, we we talked, uh, was it two weeks ago, about that record fine that the EU handed down? I want to say it was last week, but yeah. Last week? I don't remember. With the time shift and, and everything. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. Time. It, it, the time shift actually, the, the goat scream happened right as we were talking about the EU fine. Okay, okay. So, yeah, well, Google may be facing another record fine over there. Um, apparently, it has to do with how Google pays and limits mobile phone providers who use the company's Android mobile operating system and app store. So, I, I think basically what it boils down to is, you know how Google... For Google wants Google services installed. I think that's pretty much the gist of it. They don't like that. Uh, I could be wrong. I've read over this article a couple of times, and I it doesn't make a lot of sense. But by requir- requiring manufacturers to pre-install Google Search and Chrome browser, and to set Google Search as the default search engine, that's apparently a problem. And then preventing manufacturers from selling smart devices running on competing operating systems based on the Android open source code. And then giving financial incentives to manufacturers and mobile network operators on a condition that they exclusively pre-install Google Search on their devices. Now, see, I have a, I'm kind of torn on this one. And the reason I'm torn is because we've talked about in the past, like on my PC, I installed Windows. Well, Windows by default came with Microsoft Edge. Yes. But there's nothing to say you can't install Chrome or Firefox or anything else. True. And that's true about mobile phones to a degree. Yes, and, you, and here's you may wh- not be able to uninstall it, but you can generally install something else. But there are certain functions about the phone you can't change. For instance, um, a lot of the Google Assistant stuff that's baked in now. Yeah, I now I now. Oh, by the way, I got pushed Bixby voice. 
Oh, did you? Yeah, I, I signed up for the beta test, and I was immediately given Bixby Voice. And it is at once wonderful and a pain in the butt. Uh, but my point is, is I now have Google Assistant, Cortana, and Bixby Voice all fighting on my phone. Holy crap, man. Because I can't disable Google Assistant, and I can't disable Bixby Voice. True. Yeah, that'll, that'll hamper you. I, I've got a freaking cat fight going on right now in my phone. That's kind of funny, though. It's hilariously it's, funny. It's irritating. So irritating. I couldn't handle more than one assistant. Although, I think I've got S-Voice on my phone. The S7 had S-Voice, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. I never even they bothered cut. to set it up. Thankfully, they made that so it, it wasn't so intrusive. Um, I had to find inventive ways to disable it for my, my Gear S3. But So I can understand where they're coming from. But at the same time, if they instead maybe said, look, you can come with, you can deliver these devices with your services pre-installed, but you have to provide a decent way to move past them. Kind of like what Microsoft had to do with Windows 95 back in the day. The the Windows 95, I think it was K variant, which is the variant that shipped out to Europe, uh, had to have the option to install alternate browsers or media players at install. Okay. So when you installed Windows, it then immediately popped up, Would you? which browser would you like to d- install? Which media player would you like to install? And if you chose something other than Internet Explorer or other than Windows Media Player, it didn't force you to have those hooks anywhere in the system. Okay. And if... I don't know. I think I think Google would be smart to do that. So Android phones could go a different route, but at the same time, I know Google doesn't want that because if you have a phone that has any other search provider or any other services, you lose Google certification for Android on any of your platforms. Yeah. Which is right up there with douchey behavior. So, so I'm like I said, I'm torn. I can see where the EU is coming from on this one. It wouldn't be hard to sidestep it, but Google will never do that. Oh, no. No. Of course not. Of course not. And I can understand from Google's perspective why they wouldn't want to. I mean, they want their stuff out there. It's what they do. So, I don't know. And then we got... uh, This one just kind of makes me go, huh. Google says the Allo desktop client is coming, quote, in a few more weeks. Is anybody even using this? I mean, maybe like, that's why. For reals, I mean, this came out, and this is something we talked about. And they they tend to be seeming to want to drive people away from Hangouts and make that more of an enterprise type of of product. But Google Allo, I mean, you sign up for it. You got to get your friends to sign up for it, just like with Hangouts, sort of. I mean. Sort of. It, it kind of just goes with their, their Google account, but I, I honestly, I've been signed up. I've used Hangouts for so long, I don't remember what it was like in the beginning. Um, but everybody seems to use Hangouts that I know. Nobody uses Allo. And they say that, that they're coming out with a desktop client, so maybe, maybe I'll give it a shot again. I don't know. But still, if there's nobody to talk to, what's the point? 
Right. Well, part of the problem is, is with this entire article is that this, when you say a desktop client, you're actually saying a web client. Well, is it going to be a web client or is it going to be a desktop client? We don't they're, know. They're talking about a web client, which would make sense. The last desktop client was for Google Hangouts briefly. It had just switched over from Google Talk. Yes. And I love the Google Hangouts client, which you can't use anymore, to my knowledge. Um, and if you, at the very least, you can't f- find it anymore. And I, I think it's. I think it can still be used. Um, but yeah, I had nothing but problems with it when I would try and run it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you remember the days of us trying to chat with each other, and the window would be minimized beneath the the task bar. And, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, I do remember that. But at the same time, I hate using Hangouts as a web app because it doesn't work with edge and I don't use Chrome. True. So I have to run our Google Hangouts in a web wrapper in internet Explorer. Oh, fun. That's how I do it every time. And if I want to do hangouts at work, I usually, you know, most people usually keep a hangout window open so people can chat them up or whatnot. Uh, That means I have to have an internet Explorer window open all the time. Yeah. When it's just so much easier to have an actual client there. Now, I know some people will disagree that they prefer the web client, and that's fine. But let me post this to you. Many browsers now are so memory heavy, and Chrome is probably the worst offender of them right now, that keeping a Chrome window open all the time starts to slow down your system. It does. It does. Now, that all this being said, if they can get Allo working the way they said they would be using it, very soon may come a time when I stop using Hangouts, and we may stop using Hangouts for this show. Switch over to Duo. Maybe. I don't see it happening anytime soon. I mean, but that's part of the reason why we switched over to Slack for our, our stolen droids stuff. Right. I mean, we uh, listeners don't know this, but we used to exclusively use Hangouts. Uh, first, we used Skype exclusively, and then we switched over to Hangouts when that came about. And in the last few years, we've switched over to Slack which just has so much more functionality for what we want. Yeah, if they could do group video, we would probably use it exclusively. Yeah, most likely. Most likely. It it just seems to work really well. There's, We don't have problems with it. Unlike, hello, with the... I mean, there's some serious flaws there. Google, I just want Google to get their messaging act together. What are what are we expected to use? What are they trying to get us to use? That's what I want from Google. Just give us a messaging app that we can use, that everybody will be on, and we'll be good to go. That they can be sued by the EU for. Probably. Because they get sued for everything else. Well, because you just know that once they do finalize Allo and it's perfect and everyone's on it and using it. You and I are going to be on there chatting about how your lawn's looking today. And I'm going to ask you how you got your weeds taken care of. Cause I'm having a problem with it. And there's going to be a freaking ad for weed barrier that pops up in the chat window. Or the FBI is going to raid your house. Cause we're talking about weed. Yeah. One of the two is going to happen for Something. sure. Yeah. Something. <laughs> so do you remember a few years ago when, all of the mobile carriers offered unlimited data, and then they started switching. You get two gigs. 
and they've started creeping back up to, oh, you get six gigs, you get 10 gigs, unlimited data, but we're going to throttle you after you hit so many. We'll still give you data, though, but it's going to be super, super slow and inconvenient. Remember those days? Yep, I do. So Verizon apparently has some rural unlimited data customers. And every time I say the word rural, I think of the rural juror on <laughs> 30 Rock. The rural juror. <laughs> uh, I love that show, by the way. Um, but yeah, apparently uh, they've got some LTE and rural America program going on where they provide, Verizon provides smaller carriers with spectrum and technology access in exchange for extending Verizon's cellular reach into these markets. and Translation, Verizon doesn't have equipment in that area. So they use other people's equipment. Right. And in return, they probably pay a higher fee to those people, but those people get to claim that they're on Verizon's network. Yes. And so it helps make Verizon look awesome. However, you know, we've talked a little bit about some of the throttling. Right now, Verizon's quote-unquote unlimited plans, users will find that they're getting throttled after about 22 gigs of usage until their billing cycle renews. But because of these uh, LTE in rural America situations, they can't throttle those users. Because, again, those users aren't technically on Verizon's equipment. Exactly. And so they're just kicking them off entirely. Um, Now, here's why people in rural America may use more LTE than you or I. Because they may not have broadband in their home. Which is true. So it's just easier to either do everything from your mobile device or use the mobile hotspot feature of your device. Yep, exactly. I mean, I think about my grandmother's um, old house in northeastern Colorado. She was freaking half a mile or half an hour drive from the nearest gas station. I mean, that's how rural she was. Uh, there's no high speed internet at her house, right? And so, of course, uh, assuming that she had a phone, which she doesn't, she would have used. I mean, I tried using my phone there. There wasn't even hardly a signal, but she would be using everything. Through her phone, which makes perfect sense in those types of situations. I think it's kind of kind of telling that Verizon is just saying, nope, we're not we're not doing that. So we're just going to kick them off. And of course, Verizon is spinning it. Well, these people, some of them are using as much as a terabyte of data per month. So, of course, we're going to do that to keep the cost low for the rest of our customers. Here's an idea. How about you just, um, I don't know, run high-speed fiber out there instead? That would make sense. Then you could charge them a monthly ISP charge and your LTE. Yeah. Go figure. Go figure. Go figure. Yeah, they say that it only affects a few people, but I guess over at Howard Forums, there's, there's quite the discussion going on about this. I think it's more than a few people. You know... Uh, Verizon's trying to spin this. Oh, yeah, there's only a handful. And they all use, like, terabytes as they're downloading their illegal porn and 
uh, pirated movies, and you know they're they're making their their customers into the bad guys. Which you know maybe their customers are doing that, but still, they're on an unlimited plan. You can't just kick them off because they're using unlimited data. That's that just doesn't look good. So now you, Zook, uh, switching gears, you have been a fan of Nokia devices in the mm-hmm. past. I know you really well, like your Windows. I've been critical of them and I've loved them, depending on which era we're talking about. And I think both eras are documented on StolenTroids.com. They probably are because we've been doing. I realized the other day we've done this show now for six years. Mm-hmm. It is a long, long time. So, but. You remember a few years ago, I think it was when they were coming out with the Windows phones, how they had like a 44 megapixel camera and just taking awesome photos. And we talked about, you know, why the 44 megapixels was a little bit misleading. Uh, So we don't need to go into that. But uh, apparently uh, Nokia phones are going to once again start using Carl Zeiss Optics. Which, if you're not familiar with Carl Zeiss Optics, they do, like, really fancy camera lenses and things like that. They're, they're like, the, the standard, I guess. Like, the really good stuff. Carl Zeiss Optics are what you find in actual cameras. Yeah. They're really um, the, good. The way they're made, the material they're made out of, the, uh, the, what, the way they're coated, uh, they are just... Let's put it this way. If you buy a professional-grade wrench... It's built to handle abuse and stresses that most other wrenches can't. Uh, if you buy something with Carl Zeiss Optics, the idea is is that it's meant to handle abuse, be able to capture shots, be able to perform at such that it's on par with a professional SLR. Yes. I say the idea is because recently uh, Carl Zeiss Optics has become more of a marketing term. I've noticed that, but I mean, it's still good quality stuff. Oh, sure, yeah, it totally is. I mean, what I, I mean, I love my Samsung camera on my my Galaxy S eight, right? Would I love it a little bit more if it also had Carl's Ice Optics? Probably. Yeah, probably. Do I love it any less because it doesn't? No. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's pretty cool stuff. Really, really cool stuff. So, I mean, that'll be interesting to see what happens there with Nokia. See if I, I hope I kind of really just want Nokia to make a good comeback because they do good stuff when they're on. I want Nokia to figure out what it is they're doing. If they shifted gears entirely, hey, you know what? Go into the augmented reality section. Change yeah. your phone handset into wearable device. If Nokia yeah. came out with a smartwatch that had some of their build quality and their fit and finish and their programming and could work with all three major, let's be honest, all two major smartphone operating systems, uh-huh. hey, that's awesome. If Nokia came out with an augmented reality headset to uh, fight against Acer and uh, I think HP was the other one, that's cool too. Yeah. Nokia doesn't have to just be phones. No, no, they don't. They don't. I think I I, I want to see them come back. I, I would really like to see that. I think it would be nice to. I, I want more competition out there. Mm-hmm. We've talked I, about I think that in the past. What, that... Yeah, I, I think that's really what it boils down to is I want to have more competition. 
So, um, let's see. While we're talking about mobile phones, let's let's do this one. Did you see the the leaked? I guess iPhone eight. You know, typically iPhones come in black and white, and now they're coming in fingerprint. <laughs> they've they've got a mirror finish on their phone. Yeah. And it's going to they say it's going to cost over $1000. But I would not want a phone that has a mirror finish. Just think of all the fingerprints on that. That's going to become a greasy nasty mess. Or scratched up. Yeah, scratched up. This whole glass on glass stuff that Apple is doing with their phones, I think that's bad move. I'm not a fan of that. You know, it used to be you drop your phone, you're worried about the screen shattering. Now you're worried about the whole thing shattering. I, I'm not a fan of that at all. Um, yeah, well, this is, again, supposedly the iPhone 8 is going to be the OLED iPhone. Uh-huh. Right, with wraparound screen everywhere you look. Um, it'll have screen that wraps around literally from the front all the way around to the back. They're going to try and put fingerprint readers everywhere. Um, that's cool. That's awesome. Definitely. I don't see how that can work and also be mirror finish. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But they're saying it's, I mean, the picture on it here looks like it's a mirror, but who knows? Maybe it's just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But the idea of a mirror finish on a cell phone just makes me shudder. A mirror finish in general I think looks cheap. I know that doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but it's like that guy on your street and everyone in America has that guy on their street that has like an 87 Honda civic that doesn't run really well. And he won't put in the time to change the engine or fix the things, but he went and got that mirror Chrome, uh, spoiler on the back to uh-huh. make it look cooler. And in the, in the end it just looks trashy. Oh yeah. It, it I know it's a stretch, but every time I see anything try and go mirror chrome like, it's like, yeah, oh, what kind of thing are you trying to hide right now by adding this cheap little shiny thing, well, which is you know, not going to look very good in a week or two. And one of my big pet peeves with technology, and I haven't experienced it so much as of late. Uh, maybe it's because I haven't been buying a lot of new tech, uh, but you know how, like. Almost everything that you get that's black has the plastic on it and that you have to peel off and it exposes the like super glossy black plastic. I've got it on my NAS here. I've got it on my router. I mean, even my Raspberry Pi has, uh, case has it. Uh, and it's on the keyboard. I look at that. It's, it's a magnet for fingerprints and dust. And I hate that. I would much rather have just a flat black on my on my stuff and yeah so much so much better so much better um let's see windows 10 has reduced the amount of data that it collects by half we are running out of time so we should probably start to blast through a few of these yeah uh, that's good good that's job good. not not collecting as much data um thing is is that you and i both use pi hole uh, which which is an ad blocking DNS service. It's pretty awesome, but it actually tracks all data going in and out of the network, whether or not it was uh, blocked or not. Yes, I've actually tracked how much data 
that Microsoft gets from my entire network, and that's including four laptops, a desktop, two tablets, um, all our smartphones, and our server. Uh huh. Oh, and and an Xbox One and an Xbox Three Sixty. Um, this all makes me sound very upper middle class, which I do not feel like at all. But I'm just saying they don't pull that much data. No, there's not, there's not a lot of data going back to Microsoft servers. So that they were able to cut that in half, it's kind of like, well, good job. You're not the one killing my uh, my speeds. That's interesting. I just I just pulled up my Piehole dashboard. I've had twenty three thousand one hundred and ninety one DNS queries today, and I haven't been on the internet very much. I didn't get on my computer until nine thirty tonight. Where were most of them too? Um, I don't know. Let me see. Um. Radio.thelounge.com, uh, myip.opendns.com, graph.facebook.com, uh, PubNub, whatever that is, sync. Uh, PubNub is uh, um, for automated devices. Mine's usually my, my doorbell. Okay. And there, there's a couple like sync.afraid.org. I know what that is. Google APIs, uh, android.clients.google.com, Dropbox. I mean, there's a few in there that I know, but yeah, radio.thelounge.com. I don't know what that is, but they are doing a lot of traffic, a lot of queries. So I don't know. I'm going to have to look into that and see what that is. But yeah, it's it's not Microsoft that's sending the data. Facebook right. was up there, though. Stupid Facebook. I hate that thing. Um, let's see. I think... I think we should uh, save some of our Waymo and Uber updates for, for next week's show. Fair enough. But, but just on uh, our last note here, uh, John McAfee can kind of use his name once again. <laughs> now, you may recall uh, when he sold his antivirus uh, software company. Uh, who was it that bought it? Intel? I don't even remember or care. I, I think it was Intel. He lost the rights to use his name in any sort of um, company or commercial purpose. And he wants to rename his company uh, MGT Capital to John McAfee Global Technologies. And so Intel kind of sued Mark him saying, here, you've got trademark infringements going on. And... It looks like they've come to some sort of an agreement, so he can he can now use his name for promotions, presentations, and advertisements. But he However, can't link his name to any service or company. Yes, he cannot link it to any product or service related to cybersecurity and security, which includes a John McAfee privacy phone and John McAfee capital investments. So I guess he won't be trademarking those. So it's all a moot point. It is. It is. It's kind of funny, though. And, you know, it's interesting because if you look at this picture in this article here, he, he looks like his he was like <laughs> he dragged like, down. The, he looks like some alien is wearing him as a meat suit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> like that's not how humans should look. It's not. It, it looks like he was dragged behind a moving car on his face. Did we ever figure out if he killed that journalist down in South America? I don't know if we did or not. I think that it just kind of disappeared, the like guy, he did for a while. The guy's kind of nuts. Oh, he's very nuts. He was running for president, though. Well, who wasn't? That's true. 
That's true. Aim higher. Don't aim for president. All right. Into our favorites this week. Um, mine's kind of an odd one. It's from Screen Screen Junkies on YouTube. They're That's usually a great the, channel. It's a great one. And normally they're the ones that uh, do the um, the honest trailers. Well, they also do other interviews. They decided to interview uh, Steve Carell and Kristen Wiig from... Despicable Me 3. Yeah, Despicable Me 3. Now, if you're on Facebook or on any kind of social media, you've seen the annoying minion memes. The ones where there's a minion, and for some reason it's talking about um, immigration reform. Or liberal media. Or conservative media. Or those stupid uh, colored people down the street. Or homosexuals. Or any number of things that minions probably don't actually talk about. Just saying. Um, They're not banana related. Yeah, or about finding true love. Or finding that one guy who just holds you in his arms. Guess what? Minions don't care. So, they printed off some of the weirdest minion memes and presented it to Steve Carell and Kristen Wiig, who, um, oh, and Miranda Cosgrove, who evidently have never seen the in- internet because they were very confused by all of this. Like, they had no <laughs> clue what was happening. They thought that screen team, the screen junkies, had done this. And they're like, why would you write that? It's like, oh, no, we didn't write that. This is out on the internet right now. Like, this is things, these are things my aunts would would post and i know we've all seen them it gets uncomfortable fast (laughs) that's awesome i need to watch that that's cool um i don't really have a favorite this week but i do have a question i need some help from from our listeners um i am looking to upgrade my sprinkler controller with a smart sprinkler controller Mostly because I hate my sprinkler controller, and if I'm going to upgrade, I may as well do it right. Uh, which is funny because it's like a $250 controller that the people that I bought my house from put in. So it's not like it's a piece of crap. I just hate it. Uh, so I'm looking at smart sprinkler controllers, and I'm wondering if any of our listeners have any opinions on these. If you've had any experiences with them. If you've uh, used one yourself, if you have one yourself, I want to know your thoughts on the different different options out there. I'm right now. I'm leaning towards a SkyDrop, uh, which has pretty good reviews. It, it's a pretty popular little unit, and it's by far cheaper than a lot of them. But Zook, you were telling me that you were looking at—is it the Rachio? Rachio, I think. Yeah. The Rachio, and the Rain Machines are pretty sweet as well. And so the question is, you know, which one do I go with? So if any of you guys out there uh, have any experience with these, I need to know. I need your I need your help on making this this purchase. I've I've done a lot of homework, but I obviously have not done enough to where I feel comfortable doing this quite yet. So I'm enlisting you. Go ahead and send me your thoughts to uh, feedback at stolendroids.com and let us know, uh, or let me know rather what what way I should go, because I really don't know at this point. Sweet. I look forward to hearing what everyone uh, suggests. Yes. All that's right. That's awesome that I have this kind of power where I can ask, like, tens of people all at once. Right? Right? That's Never great. before in the history of mankind has technology been wielded in such a way. In what a time we live. Oh, man. 
Um, well, that is our show this week. If you've got feedback or suggestions for Zoner, feedback at StolenDroids.com or give us a call 801-917-GEEK. Uh, again, please look into us over at PodcastAwards.com. Um, sign up, nominate us for technology. We would greatly appreciate it. And if you feel like contributing and becoming one of our patrons, uh, go to Patreon.com slash StolenDroids or click the Now Working button on our site. It'll take you there and you, can, uh, you too can have early access or be one of our producers. Uh, so thanks again to everyone, and until next time, cheers. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.